the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degeneration? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the college basketball bracket reveal and analysis show. I'm Stucky, and joining me tonight are two co-hosts, BJ Cunningham and the one and only Mr. Jim Root. Gentlemen, we finally have a bracket that we will obsess over over the next three days watch lines it's gonna be a long three days so i'm happy to bring the people some content to fill up that time there is no longer morning than the thursday morning before the first tip it is truly christmas morning for degenerates and adults mr root how are you feeling I'm good. Well, that's why you got to be in Pacific time that day, because then you can almost roll out of bed into into hoops, get it at nine in the morning. That's Dad, better you than can't sleep to wait the noon. night before. You can't sleep the night before the. You're staring out your window, waiting to see if Santa's coming. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. no way to sleep. <laughs> but uh, if you sleep, it comes faster. That's that's what it is. It's, yeah. yeah, I try to sleep. I just I can't. Uh, BJ, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. Um, you know, I was just talking with Jim beforehand. I'm like. I don't know in terms of filling out my bracket, we'll obviously get to each region, but I'm like, I think I might just have to take all the number one seats to make the final four. Cause I don't think anybody is going to take those. Cause I like way, way too many upsets here in the first round. But yeah, I mean, even you can see this, a lot of the spreads too are very, very close uh, with a lot of these, you know, uh, upset type five, 12, six, 11 type matchups, but it's setting up to be a very, very chaotic tournament. Yeah. Well, we said that's a, a wide open year and then we had a conference tournament week where like, didn't I get so many one seeds one? I think it was like the most of our one seed. So yeah, um, maybe that's not the worst approach, but yeah, we're going to go through every region here. We'll talk through who we potentially like to come out of it. Just initial reactions, right? Where these are subject to change. Cause during the week we will have two more previews. We'll go through we'll have one for Thursday and one, a new, another episode for Friday. We also had our live bracket reveal show that's already out on twitter so if you missed that make sure you check it out so let's go through region by region here let's start with the west jim you're out in vegas right oh yeah this is the vegas regional the i think when this first came out my first reaction was the west is absolutely loaded all right you have kansas which was known as a one seed I mean, you can go down, you could say St. Mary's is a five. Analytically, their profile is a top 10 to 15 team. TCU is a six. When healthy, could argue they're a top 10 team. Right, you have UCLA is a two. Going into Sunday or Saturday night, if they won that game, they were they were probably a one. You have Gonzaga, three. They're peaking at the right time. I mean, this conference is loaded. You take Arkansas as an eight with three potential first-round draft picks. This region is and then UConn four arguably a top ten team as well. This this region is just loaded from top to bottom. High level thoughts on this region and who you might like to come out of it. Jim, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would have been all UCLA here if if Jalen Clark was healthy, but I do think that's going to limit them a little bit. Uh, not having that kind of athleticism defender 
uh, slasher gives them an, another gear. So then you look elsewhere and, and kind of trying to figure out as we go here, like Gonzaga's playing so well lately, the last month, their offense has been just a complete volcano. Like they just score 1.3 points per possession on everybody, but they've got a potentially awesome second round matchup with TCU. BJ and I were talking about it before we started recording, like that game could be in the nineties for sure. Going to be a track meet. Both teams love to go. Feels like uh, it should be an elite eight game, that game. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's going to be round two. One of those teams not making the uh, the Sweet 16. And I guess they could get upset early too. Uh, maybe maybe one of them goes down. But uh, yeah, I'm probably going to go with somebody not in the top seating. Uh, I probably will not pick Kansas. I think I'm going to stray away from UCLA. I might stubbornly go with TCU because of what uh, I think they can be when they're fully healthy. Um, Lampkins away from the team. They still dominated K-State, but then couldn't handle Texas. So that's, you know, kind of not ideal, uh, not having Lampkin in there as their physical ident- uh, identity. But I think I'm leaning Horn Frogs here, BJ. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I agree. that that I mean, that Gonzaga-TCU game, that could maybe decide who's going to go to the Elite Eight, obviously, because UCLA, like you mentioned, lost Jalen Clark, and it kind of limits what they can do defensively and also offensively as well. You know, I, I like UConn to come out of this region. Like, you know, Kansas has obviously been playing very, very well. They obviously got punked by Texas in the final. That whoever they play, Arkansas or Illinois, is a big-time landmine game for Kansas because both of those teams throughout the season were, you know, preseason, even early on were – near the top 25 and I have obviously the talent to compete with Kansas. Um, but, you know, UConn should be able to get past Iona and then it's a very tricky match against St. Mary's or BCU. But I mean, this UConn team is really peaking at the right time. Now they're up to sixth in just offensive efficiency to the best offensive rebounding team in the country. And, you know, one of your uh, Kai tweeted this a while ago, and I think it reigns very true is that when UConn is hitting shots and they're able to play physical and, and basically just dominate teams on the offensive glass, they're close to unbeatable. So if we if we get that version of UConn, you know, I think that they're a very, very dangerous team and can make the uh, the final four. Uh, but yeah, I guess my pick will come out of this region and will, will, be, will be UConn. Yeah, the thing I worry about UConn is, so they have an interesting draw in that they start off with Iona, a team that is going to pressure you, and they also could face VCU in the second round another team that can really pressure you. They grade out around average and press offense, but they have turnover issues. So that's a little scary. Then if you get Mary's elite defensive rebounding team, elite post defense, they, you got to hit mid range shots against them. Do you, do you trust the Yukon guards to do that? But let's, before we get to that, I just want to, on the bottom half, UCLA get worries me a bit against TCU now we have to. We don't know if Bone is going to be healthy either, but UCLA an elite transition defense, and that game might turn into a grinder, which we saw with TCU, and and I think they'll really miss Lampkin in that case. Um, so that scares me a little bit. If that game, you know, UCLA just turns that into a half court game, that that would scare me for TCU. But I do love the matchup against Gonzaga because Gonzaga's rim defense is weak. And they can be exploited there. And TCU is at its best, right? Gonzaga's great in transition, but arguably TCU is the best transition offense in all of college basketball. And that game will be up and down. And that is how TCU wants to play. But let's let's start with the most intriguing matchup of the first round. I think a lot of people in my mentions have already, you know, said this is going to be an upset. 
VCU St. Mary's. This is a really interesting matchup to me. You have, you know, Ace Baldwin who can get hot in the mid-range, right? That's what you need to do against St. Mary's. They're going to like funnel you into the mid-range. And we saw St. Mary's, you know, they have good guards. They don't have turnover issues, but they struggle with the press against Gonzaga who used it, Boise State at the end. So this is a, like a, VCU wants to make this game just wild. St. Mary's wants to slow it down, run their pick and roll. But do you, how do you see this playing out to me? Are you worried about St. Mary's against the press? Cause they've shown some cracks there of late. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, Aiden Mahaney's great, but he is a freshman and could potentially have a little bit of a woe factor going against a team as athletic as VCU. Uh, there's not a ton of that in the WCC, not a team that, that pressures quite like that. Uh, so I think that uh, is definitely an element that could could be bad news for St. Mary's. I just think they're going to force VCU into such tough shots. I know you said that, like they funnel them into the mid-range. VCU's been better this year when they made when they make threes, which, uh, okay, of course, duh. Uh, but they're not a great shooting team. And if they're taking tougher mid-range jumpers instead of open threes, which is what St. Mary surrenders, that's really a problem. I think that eventually St. Mary's is going to wear them down in that game. Uh, I would actually go with the the favorite there. And I was surprised how short the line is. Only three, three and a half on that game. I thought it'd be, you know, something like five, five and a half. So I, I, I definitely lean towards St. Mary's there. BJ, get your thoughts on an interesting matchup in the bottom half of the region in Northwestern and Boise State. I, I've seen some people say that they like Northwestern already, but I, I actually really like Boise State. And I'll, I'll state my case. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Now, it's tough to to trust Mountain West teams. I don't think they've won a game right. since 2018 in the actual tournament. But Northwestern, if you look at their profile, I think that they just really thrived in the Big Ten, right? Their defense was built to stop the post offenses in the Big Ten, which is smart because there's a lot of great post offenses in the big 10 Boise state's not that they don't run their offense through the post. And then Boise state on the other end, their weakness is their post D right They're They lack size and Northwestern doesn't really run their offense through the post at all. Boise state has the shooters. Uh, they have the defensive versatility. And I think this game should be a grinder, which I think favors Boise state. They're not great in tradition. They're really good in the half court. They have shooters all over and they lack depth. You see them wear down at a lot of games. So I don't think that's a concern here against Northwestern. So I think Northwestern outside of the Big Ten, this isn't the best matchup for them. But curious to get your thoughts there or if you want to go elsewhere in another matchup. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I really like Boise State. Um, you know, if you want to read about our live reactions, I wrote about this one uh, for the NCAA tournament. But, you know, the Northwestern offense, it, they just haven't been shooting the ball well all season long. And like you said, yeah, they've been – pretty reliant on, you know, a post heavy big 10. And it's funny because, you know, they get the number two seed in the big 10, but what was it? Uh, you know, if, they, if things would have broke the wrong way, they could have ended up being an eight or a nine seed in the big 10 tournament. So it really just changes the perception on them. But I mean, they're 320th in effective field goal percentage. They can't shoot from inside the arc. They can't shoot from outside the arc. And then Boise, I mean, they're a top 20 defensive rebounding team. They're top 70 in free throw rate allowed. So if Northwestern gets cold from, from the field, and that's a big time problem when you're playing Boise and Boise is a very high frequency pick and roll team as well. That's something that Western has struggled to defend in the big 10. So I agree with you. I think this is a fantastic matchup here for Boise. Like it's going to be a rock fight. These are two top 15 defensive efficiency teams and uh, Boise is just barely inside the top 100 offensively with Northwestern being outside the top 100. So 
I agree with you. I think this is a great Boise State spot and a great matchup for them. You, you know, unless Northwestern essentially just has to get hot from the field, which they've shown they have uh, not that great of an ability to do so this year. Yeah, a lot of it comes out of can they slow down the dribble penetration of Bobo? Do you want to play devil's advocate there, Jim, or do you agree? No, I, I tend to agree. I've talked about a little bit with our fellow Weavers about the Mountain West teams. I think they're 0-9 against the spread last nine. Uh, that conference in the NCAA tournament, not very good. Uh, but this this version of the Mountain West is better offensively than in past years. Like usually it's just teams that grind out rock fights and, and that's it. They get to the, the big dance and they don't have any offensive upside. But uh, like Boise, Utah State, San Diego State, all of them have like real offensive prowess. They've got more shooting than they've had in the past. I, I think that Mountain West trend is going to get debunked this year because I like the teams better. So I, I also like that that matchup for Boise. Any other first round matchups, Jim? I'll start with you. You want to call out in the first round, Arkansas, Illinois. Who's going to? That's the miss, one. Who's going to miss more? Who's going to miss more threes in that game? Is the question. Um, yeah, it, I'm very curious. Some of these SEC teams going into the tournament because, like I just said, with the Mountain West, they're better offensively. Well, no one in the SEC can shoot. 32nd out of 32 conferences this year in three point percentage. So they've been able to defend a certain way all through league play. Arkansas is like this. Texas A&M is like this. They give up a ton of threes. And now you you might be playing a team that can actually shoot. Well, they actually got a good matchup here because Illinois is not that deadly from downtown. They love to chuck them, but they're not that efficient. Uh, They don't really get downhill well off the bounce. That one's more a talent level game for me. I think Arkansas has just got slightly higher talent level with Nick Smith back in there. I will probably be on the must bus in round one, that eight, nine game. Yeah, I was looking at Illinois today, and they make no sense because they're, you know, they led the Big Ten in two-point offense and two-point defense. They can't shoot from three unless, like, Matthew Myers hitting, like, his step backs and gets hot for a stretch. But they just continue to chuck up threes. They also are better in the half court. They're very inefficient in transition, yet they continue to just try to run. Like, they don't have a plan, it seems like. I think that they're this Underwood doesn't know what to do with his team. So, yeah, I don't – I'm really unimpressed with Illinois. And, um, you know, Arkansas needs to get to the rim. But, you know, Illinois' two-point defense has been good, but I, I agree. I think too much talent there. PJ, anything else you want to mention? Yeah, I was just going to stick with that Illinois-Arkansas game. The thing about Illinois, and it's – yeah, it's very, very weird because, like, they finish at the rim at an incredibly high rate as well. You know, Arkansas – is very used to defending at the rim, playing in the SEC with not a lot of teams shooting very many three-pointers. So, yeah, it's a, you know, totals at 144. Um, Obviously, both these teams like to run, so the pace is going to get up there. But, yeah, I wish we could get, like, a a field goal percentage over-under bet. That'd be a fun one to to bet in this type of game to see what it would be. But, yeah, no, I agree. That's going to be – I think whoever wins that game is going to give Kansas quite a bit of problems in the second round. Yeah, I think Arkansas in particular – yeah, would give Kansas uh, a lot of issues. Do you agree with that, Jim? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just a team that can play up in talent level. We've seen Musselman do really well in this format, game planning quickly with the turnarounds, made two two straight elite eights, and they're just kind of a malleable team. Uh, they they have the bigger wings that can guard Jalen Wilson, Dick, and McCuller, and that's kind of been Kansas' advantage all year. Is you just, you don't have three guys big enough and fast enough to guard them, but Arkansas actually has the bodies to to match up there. Yeah, I mean, Illinois might get to the line a bunch. They even struggle from the free throw line. They're outside the top 300. Oh, yeah, so I'm going to call the, the West is the best region. That's the the best regional. And then let's go on the other side of the bracket to the East, which I'm calling the least regional, which is your New York region. 
polar opposites. I mean, when I look at the East, so I look at the West and I just went through, oh my God, look at some, look at the five and the six seeds and the four. I, I think that they're all underseeded. And I think in the East, it's the opposite. I think everyone is overseeded, right? You could even argue Marquette. They had a great run last weekend. They probably should be like a three. You, your four seats, Tennessee, who lost arguably their most important guard, and they're very limited offensively. You know, Duke is hot at the right time. Kentucky is, who knows what you're going to get with them. And you have Memphis and FAU are both intriguing teams that can make deep runs. And you match them up against each other in the first round, which makes I think makes the region even easier. Then Purdue is, I think, a vulnerable one. I mean, Zach Eady is incredible, but they're, you know, they're, guards are young and raw and if they get memphis everyone was talking about this before the bracket came out and ended up coming to fruition memphis's athleticism and fau and certain extent too that'll be an incredible game to watch very entertaining memphis fau but memphis that the press their athlete their athleticism physicality and then their ability to defend the post and the way that they're playing right now uh, is going to give purdue a lot of issues I'm petrified that there's going to be no value in Memphis because everyone is talking about that. So let's start at the top. Ken, and maybe Painter has to go to that like athletic veteran lineup, right? That he'd had to do against Rutgers when Rutgers physicality was giving their young guards issues. Might have to do that here. But Jim, let's start at the top. Number one, does Memphis get by FAU? And then do either one of those teams upset Purdue? Does one have a better shot? So let's let's focus on that very top of the region. I, I think both of them have a chance against Purdue for sure. It, Memphis, for the reasons you said, and then FAU has an actual seven foot big man who can kind of compete a little bit with Edie. And then offensively, FAU is going to spread them out big time. They're going to force Edie to garden space, a lot of four out stuff with, with ball screen action. Everybody on their roster can shoot other than their center. So, like, they have four shooters, four creators on the floor at all times. Between Memphis and FAU, though, that's that's the tough one. I, I, I like I want to pick whoever that is to beat Purdue, yep. but having to choose between them is where I'm having a, a real conundrum. I'll probably end up. There's always the one Owls. of these every, every one or two of these in the bracket every year. It's like, all right, I don't know who's going to win this eight nine, but uh, whoever does, I think they're going to beat the one. So what do you do? Do you advance the one? Do you yeah take exactly a stance on the eight? Like it's it's a lot of game theory there. Yep. I, I will probably land on the Owls just because I, I do think that offense is kind of uh, what can unlock a super athletic defense like Memphis's, but I don't feel great about it at all. Um, it does help that the FAU has a bunch of ball handlers, like I said, against Memphis athleticism, but that is a tricky one. That is a tricky one indeed, BJ. Yeah, no, it is definitely is. Like you mentioned, like FAU has got three shooters that are shooting over 38% from, from three-point range, which is crazy. Memphis has been a, a decent three-point defense, so it's going to be very, very back and forth. The one area, you know, Memphis has been a very poor defensive rebounding team this season. So if FAU can give, that will be their main advantage to get by them. But yeah, I think either of these teams can give Purdue a, a ton of problems. And, you know, even going down the bracket a little bit, like Duke is very, it's very interesting. Like if Duke gets past Oral Roberts, I almost feel like good about their chances of making the final four but I feel horrible about their first round matchup against Oral Roberts, if that makes any sense. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's just landmines all over for Purdue. It's, it looks easy on paper being in the easiest region, but I mean, we've said it all season long that this is a completely vulnerable team that is just ripe for an upset. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably be, you know, yeah. I, like you said, like, I hope that we can get a good number on whether it be Memphis or FAU against Purdue, but yeah, uh, I'm definitely picking Purdue to, to probably not even make the elite eight in this region. FAU, by the way, 91st percentile 
per synergy in post-up defense. Memphis, 93rd percentile. So both of those teams can defend the post. Both, both of those teams have a lot of bodies, too, that you can throw out there for for fouls. I think they're both a top 50 in bench minutes. Now, it gets a little dicey for FAU, I would imagine, if because they just come at you in waves. I mean, they're, they're top scorers. I think it doesn't even start. But if Golden gets in foul trouble, right, and that's always going to be a big – it's so hard to officiate ED games, right? So does Golden pick up a couple fouls early on? Does he not? Uh, or even vice versa. But, yeah, the Duke Oral Roberts game will probably be the most talked about game of the first round. Duke is peaking right now. Their defense looks incredible. Now, you could play devil's advocate and say, well – it's the ACC and it's very down. You look at who they beat, you know, even Miami lost their interior player in that game, you know, Mir and Oral Roberts is, has the nation's longest winning streak. I think it's 17 games. Max Aismas has been here before their defense is even better than it was when they had that run. Connor Vanover pick and pop guy with all their ball screens. They're not relying on the boards, which is big against Duke because Duke will dominate there. Does, Ace must have enough here. I took the I took the seven for some that I could get down earlier. I, th- I feel like it's un-American not to take Oral Roberts in this matchup against Duke, but I do think that they can give Duke some issues. It's a matter of like how much do you believe in Duke, and I think that they're improved significantly. How much of it is just look? They're great, and they obviously have a lot of talent, but was some of it just the down nature of the ACC? Jim, how do you think that matchup plays out? Really fascinating game. Can't wait to watch that one. Yeah, I think that's the big part of it. The the fact that they're going through an ACC that was it's not that strong, and and you get two shorthanded teams in the semis and the finals. So as much as it's, it looks like holy cow, Duke is really taking off at the right time, it's also something of the opposite where you know it's it's vulnerable competition that they've done a great job of taking advantage of. I, I kind of think Oral Roberts fights that that game too. I will be taking the dog there. I don't love the number. I thought maybe it'd be. A little bit higher. I'm thinking that a lot with with with, with some of the dogs. I'm saying 2015 anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah unfortunately, I, I wish I wish we were getting better numbers on the dogs, but uh, definitely in that way. Uh, I think the they're kind of like FAU, where they just everybody on the floor can shoot at all times. They have five guys on the on on the court constantly that can shoot. And that's going to give Duke a little bit of problems. I don't think Lively's used to playing on the perimeter that much. He's been a great shot blocker, especially down the stretch, but. Uh, not sure how comfortable he is moving around on the perimeter against guys like Vanover. It's trendy, but I'm I'm going to ride with Oral Roberts there too. Yes. Uh, in the bottom half of that region in the East, you have Kentucky against Providence in the Bryce Hopkins revenge game. And then Kansas State, Montana State. I personally, I don't know what to expect from Kentucky. You could tell me they're going to the Final Four or they're going to lose to Providence, I believe. Either I'd have no, I can't figure out that team, and I'm very close to them, and nobody I know can figure them out. But I think Montana State can give Kansas State a lot of issues. I really like them against the number. Here's why I mean, Kansas State thrived at home, they just weren't the same team away from home. Montana State has excellent individual defenders who can match up with that Kansas State backward, Darius Brown, big sky defensive player of the year. Montana State can't shoot the three, that doesn't hurt them here because you know, and, and it takes away a strength of Kansas State. Their three-point defense, well, Montana State can't shoot the three. That's their weakness on offense. They need to get into the lane. They need to get to the line. They need to get to the rim. And you can do that against Kansas State, 
who I think is a vulnerable three, just not the same team away from home. I think Montana State might be a live dog that not a lot of people are talking about compared to some of the other ones we'll get to, including Oral Roberts. And then bottom half of the bottom half, Michigan State takes on USC and then Marquette against Vermont. Jim, what sticks out to you in the bottom half of the East region? I'm not big on USC, so I, I like Michigan State quite a bit there. Uh, you've got the the Tom Izzo angle that I'm sure will get beaten to death, but I, it's more that they have a rock-solid backcourt. Uh, Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard. You know, Hogard had the weird little spat with Izzo in the in the Big Ten tournament. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if you saw that, but he basically was like rolling his eyes as Izzo lectured him. It was really weird, but it's still a very veteran team with good guards. Joey Hauser's a, a real matchup problem. Uh, I don't know if USC has the – versatility up front to deal with him being able to go inside out but I, I like Michigan State there um if it's going to be right around I think I saw minus one minus two very very short spread there I, I, I like the Spartans I think they match up well against USC and then if you had to take a team like yeah I mean Marquette yeah, maybe Vermont can be uh, they I mean they can shoot the three they can shoot which is what you want from an underdog they're not going to turn it over maybe they can at least stay within the number against Marquette you know, Kentucky has a ton of talent. Providence has just been plummeting and going in the wrong direction. You know, Kansas State, I think, is vulnerable. I mean, who comes out of this region? BJ, I'll start with you. Of just the bottom half first. Yeah, I I guess by default it has to be Marquette, even though I don't really love it that much. Like, I agree with you. I love Montana State against Kansas State. Like Montana State is top ten in the nation in points for possession allowed at the rim, which Kansas State's the third highest frequency team shooting at the rim. So all the other things you mentioned, it's just a tremendous matchup for the Bobcats. Kansas State turns it over. Kansas State will turn, they can turn Kansas and, State over, too. And Kansas State's like 300th in free throw rate allowed, and Montana State is fifth in the country. So it's a really, really good matchup for the Bobcats. And, yeah, I, I guess, like, the question is, is, like, is Marquette have the easiest path of any two seed in this tournament? Because I by default, I think they do. Like, I'm not big on Michigan State or USC – Kentucky or Providence, both two teams I can't really figure out, and then Kansas State being vulnerable. I guess by default, it is Marquette, even if I think they're a little bit overseed and I don't love them. So I'd say this bottom half of this, you know, this region is probably probably the worst of, you know, a region of four <laughs> four matchups of anything in the tournament. Yeah, big uh, Montana State, very experienced team. I'm a big fan of Danny Sprinkle and one of their best players, Jubril Bello. This is the second highest post offense as far as frequency out only behind Purdue in the country. They run a lot of their stuff in the post. They need to get to the rim. They need to get to the line. You can do those things against Kansas State. Jim, do you think Montana State's live? And who do you see coming out of this region? Is it, do you just, is Mar Marquette's the most reliable team here? Kentucky probably has the highest upside. What do you see here? I'm taking Marquette. I, I think they're really good. They're so fun to watch. So maybe I'm being influenced by their ball movement and how aesthetically pleasing their brand of basketball is. But uh, Kai calls them the most connected team in the country, my, my cohort. And I think that it is a fair assessment. They play really well together. And the defense actually trended up. It, it was top 50 in February. That was always kind of the, the Achilles heel for them. But it, it, they're starting to actually really defend. That's how you win three games in three days at Madison Square Garden. I fully trust the offense. So I'll be on, on Marquette to win there. Uh, regarding Montana State, yeah, I, I, I liked them last year, but they got like the worst possible matchup against Texas Tech's interior defense. It was like a total problem yep. for a team that likes to play through the post. Because uh, they couldn't see that either, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. This year it's actually a much better matchup. So I'm definitely liking the Bobcats, and both of you put it put it very well and pretty much talked me into to betting it. Yeah, the top half, 
I, if Duke, yeah, if Duke can get by Aura, I think they're going to get by. I think t- a lot of people are going to have Louisiana upsetting Tennessee. I don't see it. They Louisiana has to run their, you know, they have a high three point shooting percentage. But it's not a great jump shooting team. They want to run everything through Brown in the post. I don't think that's really going to work against Tennessee. I don't see that as a an upset. It might be trendy though, just because people want to fade Tennessee. But I do think that if Duke gets by Oral, then Duke would get by that winner. But that's the that's another conundrum there. Can Oral can certainly upset Duke. Jim, do you know who you're going to have coming out of this region in the Final Four yet? Marquette. Uh, I want to pick the winner of Memphis or FAU because I really believe in both those teams, but. Marquette's a little simpler, less risk involved. I don't have to have two of them going head to head in the beginning. So I'll be flying with the Golden Eagles. um, And they're obviously quite familiar intimately with playing in New York. And that's where uh, that bracket is. So uh, that's another slight little advantage for the Golden Eagles. Yeah, you'll have some good Michigan State fans travel. Um, Kentucky fans obviously travel better than anybody of Providence there. Um, So you have some good, good fan bases here. And then obviously Duke. Yeah, I don't. I want to take Memphis to go to the Final Four, but I don't know if I'm ready to take a team that's laying two in the first round to go to the Final Four yet. Uh, BJ, you know you're going to take out of this to go to the Final Four? Yeah, I'm going to go with Marquette as well. I think just by process of elimination, you know, obviously Purdue is very vulnerable. I love Montana State against Kansas State. I like Oral Roberts against Duke. I think Tennessee is very vulnerable as well. So by process of elimination, obviously Marquette is still a very, very good team, and I think they are the best team in this region, but they're the team I trust the most in this region. Yeah, I will say that if you're going to be, if you're in a bigger pool and you want to win it, you want to go against the grain to stand out in at least a region. And I think a lot of people are going to have Marquette. A lot of people are going to have Purdue going down, but a lot of people are probably going to go either Duke or Marquette in the final four. Maybe you'll get some Kentucky, but if I think if you want to be, if you want to stand out and take a shot on a surprise final four team, this might be the region to do it. There, I just think that there could be a ton of chaos, especially in the top half. And before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's stay on this side of the bracket and go to the South Regional in Louisville, Kentucky. 
Alabama is the one seed. The two seed on the bottom half is Arizona. But let's start on the top half. Alabama will move on and get the winner of Maryland, West Virginia. If they get to the Sweet 16, they would either take on San Diego State, College of Charleston, Virginia, Furman. Let's start with that the bottom half there. College of Charleston, San Diego State is a fascinating tempo clash matchup. And Virginia Furman is also a tempo clash matchup. Furman wants to run, but they're, they have a really good half-court offense, run five out. They can shoot, which I think is good against the pack line. I think Virginia's defense, I mean, excuse me, their offense also is was already questionable. And then without Vanderplas, now you have Shedrick in there. They're more defensive-minded, but their offense isn't as good. And that's the concern with Furman is their defense isn't great, but this is probably a good matchup for them. I think it's going to be a low-possession game. They won't get out in transition because Virginia won't let them, but their half-court offense is also great. Very experienced team, lots of shooters. So I like Furman plus the points. Maybe it's trendy, but... Uh, and I don't mind feigning the ACC. And I'm having a lot of trouble breaking down San Diego State, College of Charleston, just that complete clash. Jim, what do you think about those two matchups? Really like Furman. Uh, I was fearful of a super athletic, powerful front court facing off against that. That's not Virginia at all. Um, I, I remember watching yeah, Furman's Furman. kind of soft. They're like, they're very finesse. Yeah, they're not big. Like Jalen Slauson is arguably their center, and he's like a 6'7, 210 pound versatile forward. So they they can get taken to task on the glass at times, but I just that Virginia is not interested in that. They're way more concerned about getting back in transition, setting up their defense. They're not going to be all over the glass against Furman. And and like you said, they can shoot over the top of the pack line. I, I wrote this up in our instant reaction uh, file. I, I like Furman quite a bit. I, again, I thought it would be more like six seven, but uh, five it is. I'll take that. And I'll, I'll be sprinkling the money line there as well. Charleston, San Diego State, again, I feel a little short, and I think people are in love with Charleston because of the fun style they play and how deep they are. I will probably be going Aztecs in that one. Uh, I think they're more of the physical team that can dominate the paint, unlike Virginia, uh, the favorite that actually has that kind of athleticism. And their offense actually has juice this year with Ladie and with Tremel coming in via the transfer portal. They've gotten a lot better on the offensive end. So I like San Diego State uh, there against Furman. In the next round, I'll probably keep rolling with the Aztecs. I think that's a bad matchup for Furman. Yeah, for the, San Diego State is the team, the exact team that Furman doesn't want to play. Physical, just grind you down, and they can, uh, you know, get after the uh, on it on the glass. And yeah, I, I agree with you there with San Diego State. But yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that worries me is Charleston has. Look, I mean, they're going to come at you. They're very deep, and they're not a great three point shooting team but they shoot a ton of threes and they have just a couple guys who can just get red hot all of a sudden, right? Like if rain Smith or Larson, but like they have some, a couple guys that just go on these streaks from three. And then, so, so it's very high variance. So they're going to shoot a ton of threes and you're going to have to shoot a ton of threes against San Diego state. whose perimeter D is really good too. And then you have Matt Bradley factor. Is he on or off? Cause sometimes if he's just off shooting a ton, so that's, that's, kind of concerns me about games very high variance in nature bj any thoughts on the top half yeah the the san diego state charleston i mean you guys hit the nail on the head sandy i mean it's the, the clash is so fascinating because not only do you have a clash of tempos but obviously san diego state is allowing under 30 percent from beyond the arc they're also also eighth in the country in open three-point rate, rate allowed so really charleston's gonna get have to get so hot from three-point range with just hands in their face all game long 
And then the flip side of that with San Diego State, it's a lot of mid-range jumpers, obviously a lot of post-up sets. Can Charleston defend that? I'm not so sure. So I'm with Jim that I really do like San Diego State in that first matchup. They might shoot themselves out of the game, uh, but their defense is just so, so good. And I think that it'll be able to match up really, really well with Charleston. That Furman game, yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. Obviously, Furman takes a ton of three-point shots, but like they're the number one team in the country in two-point field goal percentage, and Virginia doesn't have Vanderplace. So I think you hit the nail on the head, Stuck, that I think they'll be able to shoot against that pack line defense. And, yeah, Furman's going to be very, very trendy, but I think they're absolutely alive against Virginia. Yeah, low possession. Virginia plays low possession games, too, which obviously makes the underdog – more intriguing with yeah, so two years ago ohio was super trendy against virginia yeah. and it, they won like it just because yeah. it's trendy doesn't mean it's it's wrong you know right. yeah yeah that was my favorite pick of the that first round i think it was a 13-4 too jim west virginia maryland i mean west virginia interesting intriguing regional matchup maryland hasn't done much away from home but west virginia they really need they need to score by getting to the line getting on the offensive glass and still in a way they don't really press as much and pressure as much, but turning teams over Maryland on paper, pretty good rebounding team. Don't really foul and don't turn the ball over. Do you trust Maryland here? Do you trust West Virginia? What do you see in that matchup? And then most importantly, can either one of those teams give Alabama problems or anybody in the top half of the region, or is this a Bama walkthrough? Um, I think it's probably a, an Alabama walkthrough, at least to the elite eight. I'm not very scared of Virginia. Maybe San Diego state can, can bug Alabama with their athleticism and defensive size. But, uh, in that eight, nine game, I already bet West Virginia. I, I, I laid it with them. I not a fan of Maryland. If they're not in college park, it's been a repeat consistent trend all season. I know they've had some competitive efforts like the at Purdue road effort was good, but if you're going to sit there and cite the November neutral site game against Miami as evidence that they're this like good team away from home. I, I don't buy that. We didn't see it all through the big 10 and I'm overall kind of skeptical of a lot of the big 10 teams entering this tournament. It's been another couple of years trend where the, the teams that come out of that league aren't really ready for uh, the, the, the big dance and, and end up crashing out early. So yeah, I took West Virginia. I hope Eric Stevenson makes threes. seems like whenever I bet on them, he's over 10, but um, I'm riding with the Mountaineers there. All right, then moving on to the bottom half of the region. Creighton is the sixth seed against NC State. You have Baylor against UC Santa Barbara, Missouri against Utah State, and Arizona against Princeton. I'll start with my thoughts here. I think Creighton should score at will against NC State, whose defense has issues in the half court, and they want to press. They press about a third of the time, one of the highest rates in the country. Creighton, 99 percentile press offense. You can't press Creighton. So I don't know how NC State's going to get many stops there. Elsewhere, I'm very curious to get your thoughts, Jim, on Missouri or Missouri Tigers against Utah State. Two schools of thought for me here. I think I'm siding with Utah State, but I could see the case for Missouri just like their athleticism and they could over out physical Utah State and their guards. But on paper, it's okay. Both teams want to shoot a lot of threes. Utah State does a better job of taking away the three. Then Missouri. Missouri will throw in a lot of different defensive looks. They'll press, they'll zone. Utah State grades out elite against the press, elite against zone. Does it come down to, I think Utah State will have better opportunities to make threes. Any thoughts first on Creighton, NC State, and then curious to get your thoughts on Missouri. Yeah, I think Creighton's similar enough to Clemson that it's a nightmare matchup for NC State. Clemson absolutely pounded NC State three times. I think Creighton can do the same thing there. 
Uh, a lot of the drives that Turquavian Smith and Jarkel Joyner go for are going to run into Kalkbrenner at the rim. That That's a real problem for them. And NC State can't move him around the way like Villanova did. Eric Dixon would step out and stretch the floor, pull Kalkbrenner away from the rim. Yeah, It's not something DJ Burns is going to do. So I don't love that matchup for NC State. As for Mizzou, Utah State, yeah, I, the concern is that Mizzou gives up a ton of threes, like a lot. And because they gamble, they're going for steals. And Utah State is like mega elite at making threes. Top 15 nationally in three-point percentage. I think in the non-conference, they were number one for a while. That came down a little bit. But that's that's the real concern, is that they're just going to get boiling lava hot from deep because a lot of those shots don't end up contested because of how much Mizzou gambles. The matchup maybe does lean towards Utah State there, but I also think Kobe Brown's going to bully away and have a monster game against that interior defense that's kind of softish. So I think there's a lot of points, BJ. I feel strongest about over in that game than I do either side. It's a very, very intriguing matchup. Like you mentioned, you know, Missouri obviously gives up a ton of three-pointers. You know, they're not obviously one of they're one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the country, but Utah State isn't really – they obviously have the size down there, but their metrics don't really grade out that well uh, against, you know, defensive rebounding. But, yeah, it's all it's going to come down to is, is Utah State going to make their shots. I mean, Missouri's – you know, Utah State, if you look at their metrics, they're they're 248th in open three-point rate. So that's a positive spin, I guess, for Missouri, because I guess they maybe – but Missouri on the other end, obviously, you know, near the bottom in open three-point rate allowed. So it's really going to come down to who's making the three-point shots, I think, in that matchup. But, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I've already bet Utah State. I think that they should be favored by about two or or three points. But it, it you could you, – Jim, you could convince me either way for your Tigers. <laughs> Good. Well, if – Missouri does get by or Utah State. If you have Arizona against Princeton, Princeton, I think, will just sound like a trendy upset because they're Princeton, but they want to run their offense through Tosan. I don't know how you do that against Arizona and their bigs, and they can just, they don't have to double or anything. They can stay out on all the shooters. So, and it's going to be a high possession game. I mean, Arizona wants to make that a high possession game, which might not be good for the dog. But when I look at all of the teams in the bottom half. I mean, you have Baylor against Santa Barbara. Baylor's defense is so concerning to me. Jumps off the page. It's like a red flag. I have my, I make a chart for all the teams. And then, you know, I highlight in red the teams that just have a glaring issue on one side of the ball, either on offense or defense. And those are teams I just don't take to go far in the tournament. So like, for example, Virginia's offense, Miami's defense, you know, the Iowa State offense. And when I look at Baylor, their defense is just very, very concerning. From a high-level perspective, who could give Arizona issues before they potentially get to Creighton? It's just, I mean, because to me, this just looks like it's going to be Arizona-Creighton, but maybe I'm underestimating the Baylor guards, which always play. In March, Jim, who do you have? Assuming you have Maryland, I mean, excuse me, assuming you have Alabama coming out of the top half to the Elite Eight, who are you going to go with to match up with the Tide? I'm going to have Arizona. Um, They've been better in half-court games than I thought or than they were last year. Last year, if you slowed them down, like they they really got frustrated. Houston did it to them. TCU kind of did it to them. Uh, in the round of 32 and, and it just derailed their their offensive trajectory this year they can kind of play in the half court they've beaten ucla twice in really grinding games they've got arguably the best front court in the country 
to beat them, I think you, you're going to have to make a lot of shots over the top. Obviously, Utah State and Mizzou can both do that or are willing to do that. Uh, but I just think the paint dominance is going to be too much for for any of them to handle. And yeah, Creighton, I think, is the is the big threat there. But um, I, I, I'm not a huge buyer on the Blue Jays. I think the late season surge kind of came up short. We, we thought they were going to maybe roll into the Big East tournament and, and put on a, a big run there. Weren't able to do that. So yeah, I'll be I'll be having Arizona through there to face Alabama, probably going with the tide to the final four. And you just think, you know, Baylor has the guards, the guards that have been here have won a title. And then you throw in George is going to be an NBA draft pick. You just don't trust their defense this year. Is that it? Yeah, they switch everything with small guards. So they get in terrible matchups constantly. They have big guys on on driving guards, and then there's no one protecting the rim behind them. I don't love what their defensive game plan has been to go with the fact that the personnel really isn't that stout either. So their defense is just too much of a limitation for me. PJ, any thoughts on who you're going to inevitably have come out of this region? Yeah, it's I, I feel like this is going to be the chalkiest one where I'm just going to have Alabama and Arizona State or Arizona, excuse me, Arizona State, excuse me, Arizona uh, come out of this region. I just don't see any teams getting problems like, yeah, if Utah State or Missouri gets hot from three point range, then, you know, you can make a case that they could beat Arizona. But yeah, I mean, this is a really, really stout offense that is really running really good half court offense right now. Um, you know, the Baylor thing, what's what's fascinating about them is that they cannot like they're very good at preventing teams from getting the rim they i think they allow one of the lowest percentage of shots at the rim but once teams get there they're allowing 72 percent on field goal attempts at the rim so facing a team like uc santa barbara where that's where they want to run their offense i think they're top 40 in in uh rim frequency like that's a terrible matchup for them so they could definitely be on upset alert in the first round as well um but yeah i think this is going to end up chalky uh I, I agree, Jim. Like San Diego State probably presents the the biggest matchup problem for for Alabama, but I mean the Tide just have such an elite defense that I I struggle finding a case for San Diego State's offense to thrive against them. So it's probably going to end up chalky for me. I'll probably end up taking Alabama to make the Final Four over Arizona. Yeah, it's interesting. Creighton is they're great a great transition defense. They're at ninth percentile in the country in post D, which could end up being their downfall against Arizona. Uh, yeah, ninth percentile, and their 79th percentile as far as frequency. It's a big sample size. Um, I was shocked to see that because I you always think like Cockburner, the way to get them is to draw them out, but they have they have struggled defending the post. There's just something about Arizona where do I trust like this crease are going to shoot them out of a game? Their guards just somehow sometimes just disappear, and I also worry about to me when they they were playing UCLA and UCLA had no bigs left and like they couldn't they they just couldn't figure it out it was very bizarre to me but I also really worry about you know just if it's a tight game and you're fouling Balo and he's just going to the line and bricking free throws that is a bit concerning to me as well um but this does look to me like the chalkiest bracket or region I should say all right, let's move on to the Midwest, where Houston is the top seed. We'll start in the top half of the Midwest, the Kansas City Regional. They'll start with Northern Kentucky. And that line has come down since open, I think minus 21 down to minus nine. I mean, I think Houston profiles as a team that 
they just they just blow out these these teams that they're superior to, and they're playing a zone here. They're gonna get a trillion. My first tweet was when the Smash came out. They're gonna get a trillion offensive rebounds playing a zone, and Northern Kentucky's got to make threes on their they're off their man their man offense is pathetic. So like I don't know how they score. There's the Sasser question, which is certainly worth talking about. I Houston looks like a team that I would lay up to to twenty with, and then. They're going to get the winner of Iowa, Auburn. Jim, any thought? Would you lay it with Houston? I, I feel like they're just such a good, you know, in the in the first round. I think they've done well in this spot. This yes, and Cle- like you said, they're going to get a million offensive rebounds. Cleveland State got like 60 offensive rebounds in three games against this Northern Kentucky zone. It's a serious issue. And like whether Sasser goes or not, it isn't that big of a deal to me in this one because uh, I think they have – Plenty of perimeter defenders to handle the NKU guards. They're, they're kind of just like a shot-making offense. They take really tough shots and expect the zone to hold up on the other end. I don't think it will against Houston's physicality. And the Horizon team gets pummeled every single season. Like it, Wright State, going back when they got smashed by Tennessee, last year Wright State got uh, obliterated by Arizona in the round of 64. Uh, it's just not that strong of a league, and I think Houston will blow them out there. Yeah, Northern Kentucky can – if you look at their their offensive splits, they are decent against zone, right? They're going to shoot a lot of threes. They have some shooters. They're in like the 70th percentile in zone offense. And you see some zones in that league. They're in the 16th percentile in offense against man-to-man. Well, you're not going to see any zone uh, against Houston. And they are 333rd in defensive rebounding rate. That is a recipe for disaster against Houston Threes are either going to go in or they're going to get the offensive rebound and dunk it. Like that's going to be every single possession of that game. It's just a matter of, are they getting three or two? So yeah, I think, and then Houston coming off that loss against Memphis, right? I think that that's still be focused, refocused after that, a little angry. And there was reports that Sasser was going to play and he was so, and it just makes no sense to play him. You knew you were going to be a one seed. It's a groin. But I think that there's probably a better than, uh, maybe they hold him out again, just saying like, "Hey, it's a matchup we're going to win regardless." But yeah, I, I like Houston there. What one other point on that is: two years ago, Houston was a two seed, played a Horizon team, Cleveland State, that couldn't rebound in the first round. Dejan Giroux got hurt, played only one minute. Houston still won by thirty-one. They grabbed almost fifty percent of their misses in that game. I, I think it's going to be a very similar script in this one. Agreed. One of my favorite favorites of the first round. BJ Iowa Auburn. Mm-hmm. Meeting up in the first round, two teams you can't trust, uh, especially away from home. And no, now they're going to meet for Auburn, Stucky. It's game. a home game for Auburn. Yeah, this game's in Birmingham. Uh yeah. Well, it's still not in the jungle. Yeah. Um So, do you like? First of all, what were your thoughts on Iowa's draw? Um, you couldn't have been too happy I, getting the eight with Houston yeah. and playing Auburn in Birmingham. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not I mean, we were gonna be an eight or nine seed, so it's not a, a great draw. Um, you know, Iowa's been a an underrated team throughout the a lot of the year. Obviously the defense has been really, really bad, and that showed against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. But, you know, the thing about it is is I think Iowa profiles pretty well against Auburn, who are very reliant on Wendell Green. You know, Tony Perkins is a fantastic guard who can match up well against him. Um, so I like the first round matchup here for Iowa, you know, it's sitting around a pick so I'll probably be on my Hawkeyes, um, here and, but I mean, for Houston, I 
I mean, by the way, they put all three Iowa teams in the same region, which I thought was interesting. So maybe I will play Drake in the uh, the Sweet 16. But um, no, I think this, uh, I think Houston, you know, depending on the status of Sasser, my guess is he's probably going to play is I think Houston has a good, a pretty easy draw here to the, to the, to the, to the elite eight. I mean, we'll see, obviously Iowa and Auburn have, can present problems for them. And, you know, Houston has been going through the American conference for a long time now with not a lot of great offenses. I mean, Memphis is the only offense above the top 50 in adjusted offensive efficiency. So, you know, a team like Iowa who can really, really score can present some problems here for Houston, but I hope the Hawks can get at least get to the second round. Um, I don't think we've made it to the the second round past the second round uh, since I've been alive. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't trust Iowa. I mean, Iowa's defense is one of those, Red flag, right? They're yep. 167th yep. in adjusted efficiency. And I think I was way too soft for Houston. Yep. Like Houston just bully them. Houston and, had 22 you know, offensive rebounds against Memphis today. And they yeah, still, Houston would just bully them into oblivion. Yep. Um now Auburn, so I don't trust the Iowa defense, but I also don't trust the erratic guards of Auburn away from home. Um, and Auburn can't shoot well enough to beat Houston. I don't think so. Jim, any thoughts on that matchup? And you don't see any of these teams posing a threat to Houston, do you? No, no, I don't. Um, Auburn, I think, is going to have the rude awakening of playing, going from the SEC where no one can shoot to Iowa, who is like super lethal offensively and can actually hit perimeter jumpers. That could be a a problem for them. But yeah, Houston, sweet 16 for me, for sure. I'm not that worried about either one of them. Yeah, and I legit don't know who's going to win that game. All right, now let's go to the bottom part of the top half of the Midwest regional. This is the most fascinating little pod, I think, of the entire bracket. Miami takes on Drake. Miami, the five seed against Drake, the 12 seed. We don't know Amir's status, but we were we were texting about this, Jim, and I was tweeting about it a couple weeks ago about Drake. They were going to be my Cinderella coming in, the 12 seed. I was saying, who's the five seed? And I was like, please don't let it be TCU. And we were like, just give them to the, one of the ACC teams. Well, we got it. And I mentioned Miami's defense jumps off the page as one of those major red flags. Drake, one of the most experienced, the oldest, I think the oldest team as far as raw age. A pen was starting for Siena in 2017. 2017, he was starting games. Um, I love this Drake team. They're finally healthy in March, peaking at the right time. Miami has guards, but I just think they have too many defensive issues. And then you have Indiana, Kent State. This is a bad matchup for Indiana because Kent State can defend. Look, sincere carry too can get really hot. He can give that perimeter defense of Indiana some trouble. The this is two bad draws for the four and the five seed. I wouldn't be shocked if you ended up. There's always the one section where you get like a twelve versus a thirteen. I wouldn't be shocked if you see that here. I'm more confident in Drake, and I think I might have Drake going to the sweet 16 Jim what do you see in this I think this is a fascinating little pod where it could be chaos it could, I don't know how to crack it yep agreed I, again I, I thought the Indiana line would be a little higher but they're like come down to four four point favorite over Kent State that that is no bargain for for the golden flashes but I still still lean that way um they can do some similar things to what Kennesaw State did to IU before Christmas um a lot of slash and kick hit perimeter jumpers, go over the top. They can do that. And they're also really stout in the paint. They have different options to throw at TJD. So you got some fouls to use in there. Chris Payton's become a total monster. I think he's going to get most of the TJD assignment, but 
Um, yeah, Kent State, look what they did at Gonzaga at Houston, played really, really close with both those teams, almost pulled off the upset outright in both instances. Uh, I, I think they're going to hang around with Indiana the whole way and, and have a chance to win down the stretch. And do you agree with Drake over Miami? Yep, especially if Omir's out. And Jim Laranega was on CBS earlier, kind of bemoaning their lack of toughness without him. They got like killed on the boards by Duke. Without him, if he's not able to go, uh, and it sounds like he's day-to-day per Laranega, I don't know. It, it was a bad-looking injury. Uh, Drake is just like a fantastic giant killer, too. you got a star, plus you've got uh, multiple playmakers and, and actual true size with Brody. I think Drake is one of the best underdogs in, in the tournament. I, I completely agree with that. Any Anyone on this top half of the bracket? I do kind of – I mean, Kent State went to Houston, lost 49-44. to 44. Um they scored two points the final 10 minutes of the half in the first half, and they lost by five at Houston and a grinder. That team can defend. I kind of do wish they still had Santiago just as another shooter who can get hot, although he did uh, absolutely nothing. He had he played 33 minutes against Houston and scored zero points and had four fouls. But are you having Houston come through here to the Elite Eight? Because it's I, I think you have if you're filling out a bracket, you have to do that just because – I don't, Indiana could lose to Kent State. Miami Drake could go either way. I mean, I'm going to have Drake going to the Sweet 16. I don't know if they have enough to beat Houston. But from a bracket perspective, you know, you go in Houston, chalk here to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I don't know if I shouldn't spoil it, but Houston's my champ. I'm going to stubbornly stick to the, this This is the best team in the country narrative. And and I think Sasser will be good to go. It sound, seemed like he was close enough to playing today. And it was more preventative. So I'm I'm comfortable with Houston getting through there. You mentioned that Kent State game. I, if I'm remembering right, Houston had the flu big time. And that was part of why that game was super close. Uh, and and Kent State hung around. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have the Cougars going all the way to Houston where the Final Four is. Eight for 46 from three combined in that game. BJ, any thoughts on are you, your Drake's kind of kind of local? Are you, are you riding yeah. with Drake here? Any I, thoughts on Indiana Kent State? I, I live in the beautiful city of Des Moines, Iowa, Stuck, so they are very, very local for me. Uh, yeah, they're. I mean, I mean, the line has obviously come down. They were three and a half. Now they're down to two and a half. A lot of books, but it's they're a keep fantastic. going. Yep, it's a fantastic match for them. Like if you know, Mears out, then Brody is just going to dominate down low. They're a tremendous defensive rebounding team, which takes away an advantage from Miami, and they can defend down low, uh, which is where Miami gets most of their points. So uh, they have the guards to match up against them, just to really really well drilled sound team you know really just i mean that that mvc championship game against bradley they just demolished them in every area so yeah um i agree with you guys that this could be one of those you know drake versus kent state in the second round to see uh who goes to play houston in the round of six in the round of 16 yes since if you look on torvik since february 1st which gives you a good gauge of how these teams are playing on the stretch. Uh, Drake is an overall adjusted efficiency, 23rd, and Miami is 39th. So over the past two months, Drake overall has, or post month and a half, I should say. Yeah, I really like Drake there. All right, let's move on to the bottom part of the Midwest Regional. You have Iowa State takes on the winner of Mississippi State-Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can't defend, but Mississippi State can't score. I I, I don't know what's going to happen in that game. But if Mississippi State advances and plays Iowa State, what's the total of 90, 97? Um, and, then, and then you have Xavier Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State, really interesting team, very experienced. Abdur Rahim, amazing what he's done. 
they have, you know, they'll throw out a lot of different defenses out there. They pressure you. Their guards, they need to get into the lane and they need to get to the line. They need to get to the rim. And I think that they can potentially do that against Xavier. Now, they don't make a lot of free throws once they get to the line, which is a concern, but it's more of an issue when they're a favorite more so than a dog. So Kennesaw State might be a little live here. I mean, it's, but it's, it's hard to trust Iowa State, Mississippi State, or Pittsburgh to come out here and get to the Sweet 16. How are you seeing this little pod, Jim? Uh, confusion. That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> I, I don't trust really any of the the four teams there. Like you said, Kennesaw might be the one I trust most, but it's just there's still a little bit of a a talent gap. Talent uh, I wrote gap, this yeah. up in our in our quick reaction too, where they can actually score with Xavier. You have to be able to score because their offense, Xavier's offense, is always going to be uh, capable of putting up points in a hurry. But Kennesaw has a lot of different weapons and impressively played up, like I said, against Indiana back in December, hung around like that entire game. The final margin, I think, is not indicative. I mean, there were a bunch of IU free throws there uh, at Assembly Hall. But I, I think Kennesaw is going to at least give Xavier a scare. Uh, and then, man, I, I might end up going with Iowa State. I was hoping they'd be one of the teams matched up with an awesome 12 seed and I'd pick the upset. But uh, their, their draw is ideal for them. I think they can uh, they can compete with Xavier. And even if Xavier goes down, then Iowa State might be in the Sweet 16 again, just like last year. Yeah, you don't want to press. Like, Tennessee is capable of throwing out a lot of different defenses. You don't want to press Xavier, but you can zone them. Their zone offense, uh, what is like it's only 152 possessions, but their zone offense, 38th percentile, whereas their man is just elite. So you might see Kennesaw throw out uh, some zone here. BJ, I assume you're fa- – are you fading Iowa State? As I expect um, you to do. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Just give, give me whoever the team is yeah, they're playing. Yeah, just give me whoever they're playing every single game. Uh, no, I mean, their offense, they obviously have turnover issues. So if they had to face a team that gives them some pressure, like that presents a problem. But I'm most interested in, and this is probably going to be the worst viewing game of the entire tournament, but this Texas A&M Penn State game is just absolutely fascinating to me because on one hand, you have a Penn State team who's just completely reliant on jump shooting. They They've gotten out of the basement. I think they're third to last in both offensive rebounding percentage and free throw rate. They obviously hit a they're a very good, you know, jump shooting team. But though, you know, Texas AM, they they struggle on the offensive glass and they struggle allowing teams to the free throw line. And they're halfway decent depending from the floor. But again, it's the thing is like, all right, when you come out of the SEC where teams can't make a jump shot, does does Penn State just run away with that? And then the flip side is that Texas AM, well, they're a terrible jump shooting team and they completely rely on offensive rebounds and getting the free throw, which Penn State does a very good job defending. So it's a very weird type of matchup uh between both these teams who just play very, very uh unique styles on offense. But yeah, for me, I mean, out of this region, I guess I'll take Texas. I guess the team I trust the most, they're peaking at the right time. I mean, Colgate obviously presents some problems if Colgate can get hot, um, but we'll see. But yeah, if I had to yeah. pick a team out of here, I guess I guess it's Texas. I mean, Colgate can't defend. That's they're going right. to be a yeah, that's an athletic, you just can't. athletic disadvantage here. I don't think they have any shot against Texas. Um, yeah, I mean, Colgate they could shoot threes. They have a kid who's shooting at over fifty percent on one hundred and fifty attempts. So they have a, a, a lot of guys who can shoot the three. They run really good motion offense but they can't defend and they have no athletes it's like uh, once they step up in class it's a different story this isn't the patriot league texas should just swarm them on defense and they could score at will texas and penn state's a really interesting handicap i love penn state here but 10 another some more magic of penn state is a 10 seed another they're gonna be the 10 seed again but you mentioned it texas a&m and jim you alluded to it too sec team that benefited from being in a league of teams that can't shoot 
And the way that Texas A&M plays, aggressively helping under screening, they give up a ton of three-point looks. A lot of teams can't make them. Well, Penn State is top 10 in the nation in three-point attempt rate and three-point make rate, right? They have a their 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 five man is a, a guy who can shoot six six and step out and shoot the three. What is Texas enemy to do to score? They need to get fouled and get to the line. You have the games where they go 40. Penn State doesn't foul. And then they need to get to on the offensive glass. Well, Penn State, really good defensive rebounding team. And Penn State doesn't get any offensive rebounds. They don't get to the line. They want to s- slow the game down. And Texan wants to turn you over. Penn State doesn't turn it over. I, I, got, I think on paper, this is a perfect matchup for Penn State. It's going to kind of be like a shock to the system of Texas A&M. I mean, you saw with Bama, when Bama's making threes, they get run out of the gym. Um, so I, I, I really like this matchup for Penn State. Two really good coaches, but Penn, uh, Penn State – uh, that'll have really good game plans here. But I just think the shooting of Penn State's a bad matchup. They don't turn it over. They're good on the defensive glass. Jim, do you agree here with Penn State? Yeah, I love Penn State there for all the reasons you guys both listed. My one worry with it is that Dexter Dennis might be like the perfect defender for Jalen Pickett. Like he can kind of handle the physicality, the bully ball that he does in the post. He's a fantastic defender. He's, I think, American Defensive Player of the Year last season. And he's just a, a wrecking ball on that end. If he's able to limit Pickett one v one, and maybe the the open looks aren't there quite as much from him spraying the ball around, that would be a concern. But overall, I just think it's going to be such a shock to the system for Texas A&M to go against a team that can shoot like Penn State can. Yeah, and you don't think Colgate can give Texas a game, right? No, I do not. They they played up once this season. It was against Auburn. They lost by twenty seven. Like I don't I don't think they can handle athletes. Yeah, are we sleeping on Texas overall? Is it a team that just Dominated Kansas. Their analytical profile looks good, right? You talk about teams adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. They're at 18 offense, 11 defense, won the Big 12. Are we sleeping on them? We might be. The, the version without Timmy Allen looked really, really good in the tournament. They went a little bit bigger, playing a lot more of Disu. He was a, a wrecking ball in that event. I, I kind of think that I'm, I'm underselling them as well. Uh, it's just a team that I thought would tail off after the Beard news broke and he wasn't on the side anymore. I didn't don't fully trust Rodney Terry, but they've been nothing short of fantastic. And it seems like a little bit of maybe addition by subtraction without Allen. They were so, so good in Kansas city, but he's going to play, right? He's, I yeah, think he's so. I think he's yeah. supposed to, they said he was going to play if it was a tourney game. Okay. So I have, te- I have Texas. They just said like, they're not going to risk it. They wanted to be precautionary. I have Texas coming out of the bottom half. Yeah. I think I'm going to go a little more upset base in the West in the east and in the south and the midwest i'm going chalky so i'm gonna have houston against texas in the elite eight if we get to that matchup i mean texas has tough shot makers in the mid-range could they give houston a game it'd be a hell of a game um jim i know you have houston coming out of there i might go texas but I think it'll be a, a really good game regardless. Um, BJ, who do you, who are you going to come out of the Midwest? Uh, I'm going to have Houston narrowly edging Texas in the West, which is going to be very chalky as well. But yeah, I, I just don't see either, either any teams presenting problems for either of those two before we reach the Elite Eight. All right, let's go one favorite bet, and then we'll we'll give out our preliminary way subject to change. We gotta, we're going to be staring at this bracket and matchups. 
the next couple of days. And like I said, we're going to have a preview podcast for all Thursday's games, another one for Friday games. So make sure you check those out. But let's go favorite bet. I'm going to go with Drake. Talked about it. Give me the points here. I wouldn't be shocked if Drake closes a favorite, depending on Amir News to like Drake minus one is what that game closes at. So I'll, I'll take the points with Drake. Uh, BJ? I'll go Montana State against Kansas State. I just think their ability to get to the rim and defend at the rim as well against Kansas State team, that's basically where all their points come from. It's a fantastic matchup for them, and I think this Kansas State team is is pretty vulnerable when they have to rely on jump shooting. Another really good coaching matchup. We have a lot yeah. of good matchups with like two really good coaches. Jim? Uh, Houston, for me, first half and full game. I'll be on both. Uh, they're an awesome first-half team, and we went through all the matchup advantages they have over that Northern Kentucky team. The one shortcoming there is it's not going to be a high-possession game. It should be yeah. pretty slow with the way Northern Kentucky plays, but I think there's going to be a gulf in efficiency b- b- gap between the two. Houston will just uh, mercilessly kind of pummel them. might be kind of a crock-potting where they end up winning by 30. Yeah, it's a good game to get some half – halftime too because northern kentucky's 358th in adjusted pace houston's 343 so it's like they dominate but they're up like 23 with a minute and a half to go and then you're sweating like the reserves and then a couple three-pointers it could be a frustrating loss but i think a good way to go about it is to have some halftime as well all right let's go this is a bracket show so let's take one 13 seed or lower with the best chance of getting to the Sweet 16. I'll start while you guys look. I'm not in love with any of the 13s outside of Furman. I would like Furman against Charleston, but not against San Diego State. I don't like Louisiana's matchup against Tennessee. Um, I'll say Kennesaw State because I I think Xavier is beatable and I don't like the 6-11 matchup. I'm not big on Iowa State or either of those playing teams. So I'm going to go Kennesaw State. I think the Owls have a chance to to make a run i'll go montana state i think they could beat kansas state and then you just never know what you're going to get with kentucky or providence so why not beat you i'll i'll take kent state uh just the matchup problems they present against indiana and then a potential uh maybe matchup against in a mirrorless miami or drake in the second round would be good for them like that finally to wrap things up preliminary subject to change final four Sometimes I do this. I'm like, well, I already have a team in this conference. So uh, I'm going to go TCU. I always stick to my guns with my preseason, my only preseason future. I'm going to go TCU coming out of the West. I actually like their path. And even though it's, I think the UCLA game will be tough, but they're going to miss Clark and I'm going to trust him, Mr. Miles. So I'm going to have TCU coming out of the West. For now, I'm going to say Houston coming out of the Midwest. And then I'm going to get crazy. I'm going to go Memphis in the East. And then in the South, I'm going to go for now. I'm going to go Creighton. There it is. Creighton, TCU, Memphis. This is a wild final four. (laughs) I I might change. I might end up changing the Creighton to Arizona just because yeah, their postie is concerning to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll go Arizona, Arizona, Memphis, TCU and Houston subject to change Jim Houston Alabama so two one seeds Marquette and joining you on TCU let's go Horn Frogs I'm just gonna believe until I can't believe anymore until the train fully goes off the tracks BJ final four yeah. my final four I'm gonna go 
Iowa, not Iowa State. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to go Texas out of – I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go Texas out of the Midwest. I'm going to go Yukon out of the West. Out of the East, I'll go Marquette. And then out of the South, I'll go Arizona. All right. Bunch there you have it. Yeah, you're going to all two seeds? All but, all but uh, UCLA. Keep in mind, by the way, no national champion has – ever lost their first conference championship game before Baylor won no every single conference championship champion since the bracket expanded to in 1985 got to the semis of their conference tournament then there was like a bunch of tweets about it and Baylor lost and then won it all so just a little nugget to keep in mind but there you have it thanks to Jim and BJ for joining me thanks to all of you for tuning in we'll have much more content throughout the week make sure you subscribe unsubscribe subscribe leave a review tell a friend tell an enemy Five-star reviews really help us out. We'll do giveaways later in the week. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. Thanks to audio and video teams on the back end. Very underappreciated, but we appreciate you and all of your work. Enjoy the madness. Enjoy agonizing over the bracket over the next couple days. We're going to go get to work, break it down some more. We'll see you throughout the week with tons of content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.